Welcome to Music History Monday for November 20th, 2023. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title of today's podcast is The Great Grandmother of All Concert Tours, Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road, The Final Tour. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the conclusion on November 20th, 2022, one year ago today, of the North American leg of Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road, the final tour. The concert took place at Dodgers Stadium in Los Angeles. It was the third of three farewell concerts held at Dodgers Stadium. The three concerts on November 17th, 19th, and 20th saw a total attendance of 142,970 people and grossed 23,462,993 dollars. Since the first rock and roll concert, which was held in Cleveland on March 21, 1952, that would be the Moondog Coronation Ball, there have been rock and roll concert tours and there have been rock and roll farewell concert tours. But Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road, the final tour, was in a league of its own and will likely never ever be matched. The numbers are mind-boggling and bladder-weakening. The tour, interrupted as it was by the COVID epidemic, ran for nearly five years, from September 8, 2018 to July 8, 2023. It began in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and concluded in Stockholm, Sweden. It consisted of nine separate legs, or tours within the tour, and a total of 330 shows. Altogether, the tour was attended by 6.1 million fans of Elton Hercules John, born Reginald Kenneth Dwight on March 25, 1947, and generated a box office total of $939.1 million. Heck, given all the merchandise that was also sold at the concerts, let's just round that number up and call it a cool billion. Given these numbers, it should come as no surprise that Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road, the final tour, is the highest grossing, the longest running, and most highly attended concert tour of all time. Elton John born Reginald Dwight, 1947. We will save a detailed biography of Maestro John for another time, so please, for now, suffice it the following. Born in the Burbs, just northwest of London, he began playing the piano as a young child. Lessons began at seven, and by the time he was eleven, his talents as a pianist were such that he won a scholarship to London's Royal Academy of Music. Young Reginald, or Reggie as we will call him, attended the Royal Academy part-time for the next 
five years, later claiming that what he enjoyed best was playing the music of Chopin and Sebastian Bach and singing in the Academy Chorus. At the age of 15, with the support and assistance of his mother and stepfather, Reggie got a job playing the piano Thursday through Sunday evenings at a local pub located in the Northwood Hills Hotel. The hotel is still there at 76 Joel Street, Northwood, about 10 miles northwest of central London. It was there that he played standards and songs of his own composition. Reg began playing in bands, most notably one he helped found called Bluesology, and even though his eyesight at the time was just fine, he began wearing black horn-rimmed glasses in solidarity with Buddy Holly. The Advertisement and Bernie Taupin, born 1950. In 1967, the now 20-year-old Reggie Dwight responded to an advertisement, a notice, looking for performers and songwriters that appeared in the British music periodical New Musical Express. The notice had been placed by Ray Williams, the A&R, or Artists and Repertoire, manager for the newly established London office of Liberty Records, a well-known pop label founded in the United States in 1955. A young 17-year-old lyricist named Bernie Taupin, born 1950, answered the same ad. Reggie went for an interview at Liberty Records' office in London, during which he told Ray Williams that he could sing and write melodies, but he could not write lyrics. Williams's desk was piled high with manila envelopes containing submitted lyrics. He handed Reginald one of the sealed envelopes and sent him on his way. Reggie opened the envelope on the London Underground ride home. It contained poems by someone named Bernie Taupin. And so history was made. Reggie Dwight liked what he read. He set the poems to music and sent the finished songs to Taupin. Bernie Taupin liked what he heard. They met a few weeks later and have been artistically inseparable since, collaborating on over 30 albums in the ensuing 56-plus years. As if to celebrate his new partnership with this Bernie Taupin, six months after the two met and recorded their first song, Scarecrow, Reggie Dwight adopted the name Elton John, based on the names of two members of his band, Bluesology, the saxophonist Elton Dean and the vocalist John Baldry. Five years later, on January 7, 1972, he formally changed his name to Elton Hercules John. And yes, I agree, the Hercules thing is just a bit much. The songs. Almost from the beginning, the sheer flamboyance of Elton John's stage persona was such as to make Liberace look like a choir boy. But it is not his platform-heeled shoes, or his crazy glasses, or his outrageous outfits or on-stage stunts, or even his more than decent piano playing 
that will give Elton John his enduring fame. Rather, that fame will be a product of John's body of work, of the songs he has written and recorded in collaboration with Bernie Taupin. Rock, funk, pop, ballads, show and movie music. John's and Taupin's songs offers up a virtual cross-section of the rock and pop musical styles of the last 50 years. And the duo shows no sign of slowing down. They recorded their most recent album just last month, in October 2023, for which a release date has not yet been announced. As of 2023, Elton John has written and recorded close to 500 songs, almost all of them with words by Bernie Taupin. He has recorded those songs with a truly incredible variety of collaborators, including Britney Spears, Leon Russell, Ed Sheeran, Eminem, Tupac Shakur, Kanye West, Ozzy Osbourne, Stevie Wonder, Lady Gaga, Nicki Minaj, Stevie Nicks, Glenn Campbell, Luciano Pavarotti, and Miss Piggy. I can pretty much guarantee you that you'll never again see those names in the same sentence. John and Topin have together had over 50 top 40 hits and have sold well over 300 million records worldwide. They created the music for Lion King and Billy Elliot the Musical and contributed songs to the soundtracks of, among other movies, Dog Day Afternoon, High Fidelity, Finding Neverland, and Lethal Weapon 3. Elton John's and Bernie Taupin's songs have garnered pretty much every conceivable award, and unlike many such award winners, it is my opinion that their songs actually deserve every prize they've received. Those awards include two Oscars for Best Song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight from Lion King, 1994, and I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, 2019, Grammys, Tonys, ASCAP Pop Music Awards, BMI Pop Awards, Golden Globes, MTV Video Music Awards, and a host of others. Elton John's and Bernie Taupin's method of working was established with their very first songs, immediately after Ray Williams handed John that envelope filled with lyrics by Bernie Taupin. They are never together when they write their songs. Rather, Topin writes his lyrics first and then sends them on to John, who sets them to music. In 2017, on the 50th anniversary of their collaboration, Elton John addressed his partnership with Bernie Topin this way, quote, We've never, ever had an argument professionally or personally which is extraordinary because most songwriters sometimes split up because they get jealous of each other. And it's exciting because it's never changed from the first day we wrote songs. I still write the song when he's not there, and then I go and play it to him. So the excitement is still the same as it was from day one, and that's kept it fresh and exciting." Unquote. 
Yeah, as previously observed, that excitement has now been going on for 56 years. In 1994, when Elton John was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, his induction speech was given by Axl Rose, born William Bruce Rose Jr. 1962, the hard rock and lead singer and lyricist for the band Guns N' Roses. Here's part of what Mr. Rose had to say about Mr. John during that induction speech. Quote, for myself, as well as for many others, no one has been there more for inspiration than Elton John. When we talk of great rock duos like Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, I like to think of Elton John and Bernie Tulpin. Also tonight, I think that Elton should be honored for his great work and contribution in the fight against AIDS, and also his bravery in exposing all the triumphs and tragedies of his personal life." Unquote. Axel Rose's entire induction speech is linked. It was a feel-good evening all the way around. Elton John mounted the stage and received the statuette emblematic of being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He then gave his acceptance speech, which concluded this way, quote, I had someone to write my words for me, and without him, the journey would not have been possible. I kind of feel like cheating standing here accepting this, because without Bernie, there wouldn't have been any Elton John at all. And I would like him to come up, and I would like to give this statuette to him." Unquote. Bernie Topin did indeed come up on stage, and the two shared what is by any measure a magic moment. Elton John's entire acceptance speech is linked. As for Bernie Topin, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on November 3rd, 2023, all of 17 days ago. Appropriately, it was Elton John who gave the fairly lengthy induction speech. That speech, a nice short film about John's and Topin's collaboration, Topin's lovely acceptance speech, and a subsequent performance by Elton John, is linked. Back then to Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour. Both the name of the tour and its poster referenced Elton John's 1973 album Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. By 2018, when the tour was announced, the underlying meaning of that name had come to represent something special, a farewell to a magical journey down a magical road. As both Elton John and Bernie Topin expressed in the videos linked, that two British kids, born into the post-war lower middle class, could have achieved what they did was unimaginable. Theirs truly was a yellow brick road, a magical path by any standard. As discussed earlier, pretty much everything about the tour set a record. The tour was and is very likely to remain 
the highest grossing, the longest running, and most highly attended concert tour of all time. The Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour was formally announced on January 24, 2018, and tickets went on sale exactly a month later, on February 24, 2018. Within just a few hours, the first 60 shows were completely sold out. As soon as additional shows were announced, they were sold out as well. On December 2nd, 2022, Elton John announced that the final show of the final UK leg of the tour would be held at the Glastonbury Festival, a five-day summer festival of contemporary performing arts held in southwestern England on June 25th, 2023. In announcing that experience, John declared, quote, there is no more fitting way to say goodbye to my British fans, unquote. That Glastonbury Festival appearance was seen live by 120,000 attendees. Broadcast live on BBC One, it was watched by some 7.3 million viewers, breaking Diana Ross's record of 3.1 million viewers for the most watched British festival act. Okay, Maestro John, your touring days are over, and with your personal net worth at $650 million, why shouldn't they be? But the songs you have written with Bernie Taupin will live on and will take their rightful place alongside the best popular music of the last 100 years. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.